Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. We are on a short series on worship, and um, maybe we should do a little bit of ground clearing again. What are we not talking about primarily when, when we bring up this issue of worship? Because because the modern evangelical they hear the word worship and what do they what immediately comes to their mind? Uh, the songs that we sing, right? Um, so I've even heard people talk about the opening part of worship service as worship, and then the rest is not worship, right? Um, but I think the the more biblical, healthy view would be to say that everything that happens on a Sunday morning within the context of uh, a service is worship, and and everything that happens in our in our whole life. Yes. yes. So, so I think he, the reason why I wanted to start there is because we have a conference coming up on worship, and some people might think, so you guys are going to talk about singing for, or you guys are going to talk about the the song service part of Sunday morning for two days. Is that what you guys are going to do? Is that what we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know. And, and I hesitate to say this, but there's a verse from a hymn. <laughs> you know, there's a verse from a hymn that uh, actually points us to the, what we're doing in worship. Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store, from each idol that would keep it, saying, Christians, love me more. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is that, yeah, we're going to worship something. Yeah. You know, the, we're either worshiping God or we're worshiping the idols that we've created in our yeah. heart, the, yeah. you know, the, the goals that we have, the things that we want, uh, you know, materialism or something. The, worship takes us all the time. We either worship God or something else. Yeah. And uh, this, and so, you know. The, human, to be human is to, is to worship. Right. Yeah. And as Josh mentioned earlier, worship encompasses all of life the teaching of Paul in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And our speakers both have written extensively, have thought extensively on this particular topic. And so, no, they're not going to just spend two days talking about singing. I think that... Although the, that would be great. It would be. The four topics are the call of worship, the content of worship, the challenges to worship, and the comfort of worship. And so they're taking this totality view of worship and I, I think you will truly be blessed by the time you spend at the conference. I, I think you're going to be sitting under people that are well-versed in this topic, but you're also going to be spending time with God's people from a whole host of different churches yeah. in the Valley. Um, there'll be wonderful resources available to, to purchase at a, a very inexpensive. We're losing money. Yes, we are. We, we do not make any money on the books that we sell. We're trying to get resources into your hand as inexpensively as possible. I am truly looking forward to it. I, I said from my pulpit this last Sunday that these two speakers probably are the two speakers 
that I think are the best speakers that we've had in the, in the years that we've hosted the conference. Mm-hmm. And we've had some wonderful individuals speaking at the conferences in the past. It just is a testimony to the strength of these two men. Yes, absolutely. All right, so let's continue then. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verses 28 and through 29, the apostle talks about kind of what's happening when we worship. So in in 28 and 29, he talks about our attitude. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So again, the context is important. So what is the context in which these verses appear? The author of Hebrews has been making this case from the beginning of the book that that the, the Christians that he's writing to not go back to um, the form of Old Testament worship, that they are a New Testament that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of those old external forms. And so don't go back into the forms thinking that it's in the forms that you find the 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 true substance of of life and the true substance of worship that that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, those those ceremonies were pointing to him who mm-hmm. who is the author and perfecter of their faith and so in in chapter 12 uh We've been pointed to uh, Jesus Christ throughout throughout that chapter, and you know we're we're told not to go back and like you know one of the things he says don't refuse don't refuse the one who's speaking this is this is Christ speaking to us you know he he's he's warning them of the dangers of false worship, and then he goes goes on he says, you have something." That can't be taken away from you. You have you're you're receiving a kingdom and can't be shaken. He's also speaking about the judgment to come here. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the idea that he is going to come. He's going to shake the earth and and things are going to fall out. Um, but the one thing that's not going to fall out is your relationship to him and and the kingdom that he's brought you into. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness from from your sins and misery into the kingdom of God's Son. You know, we have forgiveness and we have eternity with him. And he's saying, You're, you've got that. That's not going to be shaken from you, but he is going to come in judgment and shake the earth. Then he reminds us that when we go to worship, we are actually not only joining in worship, we're not even, it's not just private, and it's not just simply corporate with the people that are around us, but we are engaged in worship with those that have gone before us, and also the angels in heaven uh, is what he's telling us here. He's reminding a, a, us of that. So there's um, this wonder, there, and that's why he says there, there ought to be a certain reverence and awe. When you, you know, if, if, if we could, if we could uh, imagine that great cloud of witnesses that are, that are with him in, you know, around the throne, if we can imagine, you know, and we can't, you know, there's that little hint, that little song, I can only imagine. You know, but you know, all, but there is a. It's bringing us deeper and deeper into the things of God. Amen. And earlier in this chapter, he he says, "You're not coming to Mount Sinai," and then he gives a description of of what took place in Exodus 19 before the giving of the law that they couldn't come to the mountain because God was descending upon it in His glory and majesty and 
and they feared coming to the mountain. He's and you're not coming to that mountain. You're coming to Mount Zion. And he says it's a festal, festal gathering. It's a, it's a, it's a. You're coming to something that's joyous and wondrous because Jesus Christ has come um, in fulfillment of everything that has come before him and and everything that you've ever longed for and wanted is found in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. But it's interesting. He's saying, but don't assume that God has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where he's coming at the end of of chapter 12. He's saying, you're still coming to this majestic God that's a consuming fire that is wholly different than you. Yeah. And you can't come casually. Yeah. You can't come in a nonchalant, cavalier way. God is still a consuming fire, and he deserves reverence and awe. Yeah. And I think that's the tendency sometimes in the church today where we say, oh, the God of the Old Testament is that. Yeah. And the God of the New Testament is somehow different. Yeah. And I think the author of Hebrews is saying, <laughs> don't, don't make a mistake here. Yeah. Um, God has not changed. Well, that play between coming to Mount, Mount Sinai to Mount Zion in Exodus 19, there was some hubris on the part of the Israelites because they were like, oh, yeah, we can, we can do whatever you say, Moses. We can come to God. And then he says, okay, well, let's see if you can. And then lightning touches down, fire consumes the top of the mountain. And then they say, oh, we, we can't come. Let, let Moses, you be our mediator. And then later Moses, through the spirit of the Lord, said, you were right to ask for a mediator because there is a mediator coming. There's a prophet coming after me, and he is the one that will stand in the gap between you and God. And so this interplay between Sinai and Zion is not the difference in, in God, as you were saying. It's the difference in now we can approach God because we have the mediator, namely Jesus Christ. And that's really the foundation of our worship. We can only approach God through Christ. The fundamental difference between Christianity and these other religions is that they try to approach God on their own terms, outside of Christ, um, apart from Christ, which is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes in the Father but through me. And so that should affect right? The manner, the attitude that we have when we come to him in worship. And so back to our verses, he says, therefore, and he gives kind of three attitudes, gratefulness, reverence, and awe. Mm-hmm. Why does he give those three? Why are, what's he saying here? What's important about those three? Uh, gratefulness is just the acknowledgement that we have salvation that we don't deserve. Um, it's because of, and this is earlier in, in the chapter, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have access to this God. And we wouldn't have access. We wouldn't have salvation apart from the work of Jesus Christ. And, and the only appropriate response to such a great salvation is gratitude, is thankfulness. You know, sometimes uh, you know, poetry has put this way best, you know, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, you know, this is somebody not counting. He just wishes he had more voice to sing the praises of God. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Bernard of Clairvaux, you know, said, What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? Oh, make me with thine forever, and should I feigning be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, you know, there's a, that's the awe that, you know, we, we, you know, who, you know, that Christ has come and substituted his life for mine, 
that you know that I get his perfect life credited to my account and that uh, he has my sins uh, placed upon him on the cross yeah. that they can be forgiven you know that that awe that brings us back to the throne of God you know that we can stand before the throne of God because of him because in our own self we couldn't yeah I think there's a, a, a great section of the Psalter that is helpful with all of this, and it's really Psalm 92 through Psalm 100. And what you have in those Psalms is this mixture of praise, thanks, adoration, gratefulness, thankfulness, however you want to say it, and awe. Mm-hmm. It's this combination of coming into God's presence, amazed that you can be there, and at the same time acknowledging the presence of the God that you're in in um, and it's this mixture of awe and reverence recognizing who God is and praise and thankfulness and gratitude because you're there yeah. um, and you recognize that you're there because of the work of another and so I would just point you in that direction yeah amen well you've been listening to the gospel for life we do have a conference coming up September 17th and 18th it is Be Thou My Vision. You'll, you won't want to miss it. We have two great speakers, Dr. Robert Godfrey, Dr. Terry Johnson, talking about this vital theme of worship, which is the chief end of man. The reason why we exist is to worship God. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can find out all the details. If you register early, you will get a gift certificate towards some books at our book table. Please mark it on your calendar. Go to ReformationBoise.com. We'll see you next time.